What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Get The Who's Podcast. We did not drop yesterday, but things are going to be back. A lot happened in the NBA world. This podcast episode has actually been delayed several times because of crazy <laughs> NBA trade mania, yeah. which yeah. we'll get into later. But I'm happy to introduce you guys to the Gifted Hoops podcast. For episode 34 of the podcast, we are going to be discussing Brooklyn Nets basketball. And I'm here today with two great, passionate Nets fans. I want to introduce my man to the bottom of me first, Saint. How are you feeling? Feel free to introduce yourself to the people. What's going on? What's up, Gifted? Thanks for having me on, AJ. Yeah, I'm Saint. I'm with Nets Kingdom. Uh, met AJ a couple seasons ago, right when we traded for James Harden. I remember sitting at work and there was this dude, big old melon on the screen all by himself, just like streaming, dude. It was just like, but it was what I wanted. Like I'm, I'm from Jersey, but I live in California. I've been like back and forth my whole life. So I've always like, either when I lived in Arizona or in California, never had another Nets fan to talk to. So I just never talked Nets, like ever. You know what I mean? Like my whole life, like maybe when I lived back in Jersey a little bit, but when I got West, I never talked. So when I found his channel, just started chipping in and things kept growing. And then he invited me on and it's been, you know, we've been co-hosts like ever since. And it's a good time. And that's of course how I met you. Got on Twitter a couple of couple years ago and here we are. Dope introduction. Big shout out to Saint again. All of his links will be in the comment section below. I met Saint personally through Twitter, uh, random Twitter spaces of them talking about their team, hilarious spaces, awesome informative spaces consistently throughout the season. So make sure to tap in to Saint. But I now want to introduce AJ of Nets Kingdom as well. Great content creator. How are you feeling today, AJ? Are you excited for the podcast? What's on your mind? I'm super excited and happy to be here. Um, of course, I was put on to you by Saint. Um, and um, I just checked out your channel, I think, a few hours ago, and it was really good. I really appreciate guys that cover the NBA uh, from all aspects, you know. Um, I started Nets Kingdom in 2020. Uh, basically, just I was a Nets fan, and I didn't really see Nets content on YouTube. So I took that route, and um, I was tired of seeing undisputed you know, Stephen A. clips or, you know, first take like the bunch of Nets content that would be on YouTube would be like two minute clips of like, you know, your your Fox five, you know, those type of things. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself and reach out to, you know, Nets fans around the world. And it grew up, uh, it blew up. You know, I didn't expect it to blow up, but it's it was been a great experience. I met a lot of people, a lot of reporters, um, people that I never thought I would meet, you know, in the media space that uh, it's helped the channel grow and then saying of course um my right hand my guy um ambassador in this kingdom you know reaching out to people all you know all around the world has been an amazing experience um and i'm an nba fan too i'm a basketball guy first you know i played basketball i think i've seen it from a different level that's why um i guess people can see when they see my content they know like i know what i'm talking about because i've been through it you know <laughs> i've been through the ncaa division two um I've been to the AAU high school days, you know, I, I know what it's like trying to um, pursue a division one scholarship and be in the trenches, you know, ball was really life. And uh, I think that just <laughs> took it to that perspective and then my favorite team. And then that's how the brand grew. Dope, man. I love yeah. hearing stories like that because as someone that's relatively new to content creation, I used to just be a guy that played football by the way not nfl football like 
soccer football. My dad, he's from Africa. So he grew me up saying, I don't watch you watching or talking about sports. You're going to play sports. You're going to get in there, get physical, play sports. We're not doing all this like the soft stuff. I want you to be out there because that's how I was raised. That's how I grew up. So my perspective on it was that talking about it like felt weird. But then after sitting down and watching it more, I'm like, no, they're, they're really good at what they do. Let's highlight the realness of these things. So hearing that story of you, you know, choosing to start your own path, create your own content around the Brooklyn Nets, I got to say, I respect it. And the funny part about this, as we transition, you know, to the podcast, I can relate to this because my first video on this YouTube channel that is still young was actually about the team Ben Simmons should go to. My first, <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, my first video was on what team should Ben Simmons, what team will he be traded to? And the Brooklyn Nets were a team that were there. So um, this podcast is going to basically entail the entirety of what Brooklyn has been on for the past three years and also their 2024 expectations, things like that. But we obviously have to start at the beginning of, of all of this before KD, before Kyrie, before James Harden, what the Nets potentially could have been with D'Angelo Russell, LeVert, and all of the other guys. What were your thoughts when you heard about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanting to sign and become Brooklyn Nets? You wanna go first, Saint? Yeah, 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 no, I'll go for it. I mean, okay, when I heard KD signed, I was at work and I let out a loud cheering yes. You know, I remember I remember hearing that. So excited. And then I heard we also got Kyrie Irving and I went, eh. I was like, if I have to take him to get KD, okay. Um, I mean, at that point you gotta like you and I had a conversation prior, and this is where I can bring this up. So you tr- you go back in time to right prior to KD and them coming here. We're essentially right now at the same point again. Have 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 we have assets? We have players we can trade. We have picks. Um, we had a little bit more money then, but you know, fall- at the end of this season, a lot of money coming off the books. They could even move Ben Simmons and get even more money. So they're finding themselves in a very much similar situation. Um, at that time, I was extremely excited. I knew that was the right move. The Kyrie thing I was less than excited about. Um, so at that moment for me, it was, it was like everything I had been waiting for. Like, finally we got like, we got a young squad. We got some good role pieces. We have all these like things that fit well. And now we just threw two superstars together. Let's see what happens. Right. And this is where I be, I feel like Sean Marks really screwed up, was blending the old with the new, because as soon as these guys got here, it became something completely different. It became this fast track, we're gonna win the championship, and then you throw Harden into that mix, and it was just like, I had mixed feelings on Harden. I was kind of like, you gotta make that trade, you always gotta make that trade, and of course, everybody thought they were getting a, dif- a different Harden, but in hindsight, it's like you made that trade and you just gave away all your depth. You gave away all your picks. And then it was like you put yourself in a situation where that with these three guys, like health was the utmost importance and you saw what happened. 
you know, I don't care whatever you want to say about Kyrie and all this. Like the thing that was the death of this team was injuries, plain and simple. So for me, like I probably fast forwarded on your your question there a little bit, but um, super excited. Like I'd never been more excited and kind of disappointed at the same time, and it was because I got Katie and Kyrie. That was my answer. Sorry for being long with. I appreciate that answer. A lot of detail, a lot of passion. Yeah, so go ahead and skip over me. Let, let AJ. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I remember it just like it was the other day, man. It was an insane excitement. Um, the city was lit up. I kind of had a feeling Katie was going to come here because I kind of read through the tea leaves. You know, I heard the rumors Kyrie was trying to get him here. And then I know about um, Katie Surgeon was the Nets doctor, um, basically the guy who performed Katie's um, Achilles um, surgery was the Nets doctor. So I was like, hmm, that might be one of those tea leaves that he might pull up to here. And um, he knows a lot of the people, some of the coaches, Royal Ivy was his OKC coach, um, was here. And so it just, I read it and I thought it was going to happen, but until I saw the Woj and Shams, you know, it's never official until you see the Woj and Shams. We see the Wolves and Shams and it's official. That's when it's like really sunk into that KD Kyrie era. And I was so happy. We had the pieces. We had the death behind them. Karis LeVert, you know, Spence. We had the guys. Um, Jared Allen at the time. Um, really, uh, because people saw the, the growth of the Nets. They saw this gritty, they call it the gritty Nets, the Brooklyn Grit team. You know, we weren't supposed to be, um, I guess we kind of took the league by storm. Not, not like by, uh, we were running the league or anything, but people were surprised at us. We were kind of like a Cinderella story. And we went to that sixth seed in the East and people were like, who are these guys? Who's this D-Lo guy and making these shots, doing the three-point celebrations and all that. And they saw who the hype of the scrub team. Nets? Yeah, who are these scrub nets? And then we made a little mark on the East. And I think that kind of attracted, well, again, Kyrie was from here. You know, he's from Jersey. He's a Jersey kid. He always wanted to be a Nets, uh, a Nets player. And that kind of grew and that love for the Nets kind of like overtook him and when he was in the free agency he's like no Katie I need Katie to come here and I want to play with Katie and I'm bringing him here so in all perspective it was just a great experience and I like I said I, I was so excited at the time I was so excited how can and it's like how could you not think championship right like you're yeah. a Nets fan that's been in the dumps for a while the last time you saw anything good was the kid kid time back to back and it was like you sat in the depths of the league for so long and here it was you were cashing in on all your all your riches yeah. <laughs> and it was like it was hard not to be hyped it was hard not to think you are the number one contender especially after the Harden trade um it, it was hard not to be excited especially yeah. as a Nets fan like the likes of seeing KD and Kyrie on your team with guys you just fell in love with was yeah. just a disgusting thought. Like, yeah. it, it, it was crazy. I got to say, for me, as a Warriors fan, it was very bittersweet, obviously. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, so like good. yeah. So, so my perspective on it, A, the season with KD was very turbulent. The way the media at every single turn just found ways to spin things to push like, oh, it, it's KD and the Warriors or they'll never love him like they love Steph. Like they they did things to separate him strategically away from the team. So I always felt like the writing was on the wall for him to potentially leave. But it really hurt because in the finals, I mean, 
he puts everything on the line for us, comes back, and in those 12 minutes, like, we, like, oh my God, like, it was so dominant, and I saw the impact of the players who saw him playing. I saw Steph feel really passionate to go out there and go get it, and we looked like a, like a dominant team again, right? And then he goes down, and that game goes to the wire, and we, and we win that game. Sadly, you know, games we lose. Klay Thompson is killing it tears his account no sorry tears his acl, ACL. <laughs> and then kd leaves and it's like ah it's just such a rough you know <laughs> spot but i gotta say for me even though it hurt i felt like wow kd and Kyrie together is gonna be such an interesting pairing because they are two of the toughest shot makers in the nba obviously i've seen Kyrie firsthand a lot and i just think that like that pairing collectively was there but the net specifically in terms of the cap space and the assets that they had with KD and Kyrie. I feel like this is a team that they might not win the first year, but they they have pieces that can maybe develop alongside Kyrie or, or KD or can be traded for even more value back. So I thought, okay, this is a team that can really look good. And also, can we please, for all the Nets fan hearing this, can we not have revisionist history? Jared Allen was like that on the Nets. I'm sorry. Like, how yeah. how he blocks yeah. shots i'm like man him and kd as a front court is pretty nice and then you have uh, Kyrie coming in and then obviously you know a lot of things change after with the harden trade but that was my first impressions of your team i mean bro it, what was crazy about what was so frustrating leading up to like everything you just said was on point right you get these players you start to see like what these franchise players are going to bring to the team and what they're going to do for the and like and arguably that was the best season with our best coaching staff you had Ime Adoko, you had Mike D'Antoni you had Steve Nash right like you had all these things and you didn't really give it a chance to see what like you just acquired these players and you just immediately that's what I brought up earlier. And that's the part that becomes frustrating leading up to Harden is that even at that point, without going to get Harden, if they would have just stayed there, I think they signed those two and the players that they had. And I think they still had money to spend. Like you didn't yeah. even give, you didn't even give that, that team with those two guys and the group that you already had, you didn't give them any opportunity to see what they could do and then say, okay, hey, we need to get this type of player that can do this to, to sh you know, maybe more defensive-minded. Hey, somebody that can hit a three. They didn't give it any opportunity to see what it could do before the, the Harden trade. And that it, it was like, talk about being exciting. You have players, but then at the same time, like you can see the beginning. I hate to say it, but it was like the beginning of the end of like what this team was going to do to itself if it came up against these certain certain negative things that happen in a season so but yeah um from my perspective I, I thought the warriors it's funny because you from the outside looking in you guys were missed out on a ring i think kd i think steph and clay y'all sh should have one more ring after that because y'all had i think they would have beat the raptors if if clay and, and kd was there um but with Katie, bro, it's like when Katie and Kyrie came here, it's like we had the championship aspirations immediately put upon us because he you knows are two of the best skilled players in the league. 
And I think going forward, like Saint was saying, um, we had the depth, we had the pieces, the role players that you know teams needed. You know, think about the Warriors. All your championships, you guys have great role players that go with those guys, with this, with your core. You know what I'm saying? And we had that core, put the stars on it, and we had the role on um, the depth. So it's like when we made the Harden trade, that's when everything changed. Well, you can get into your. Now that's the next topic. But yeah. let me ask you a question. Going back to that KD, I always find it funny, and, and it's more of like a fan Twitter thing. But it's like I always found it funny that like when KD was there, and when he won there, it didn't count. But people give Steph and the rest of the Warrior guys that were there the accolade that they don't give KD for those rings. And then it's like you even have Draymond and Warrior players going, hey, without KD, we aren't winning those. How does that, like, did you, how, where is your thought on that? Because it's like, okay. you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so my thought on that, for me personally, I really hate ring talk. And the reason why I hate it a lot is because it goes so far away from the basketball that was being played to win those championships. And moreover, people don't keep the same energy for all their players. Like, how can you say KD's rings don't count, but then use those same rings to say he's like a top five player ever because of these championships he won, right? Or, or how can you say his rings don't count, but then the ones for Bill Russell on those great teams or Larry Bird or Magic <laughs> or Jordan? We don't say I was, that, right? I, thought it was funny. I think for the Warriors, the reason why KD got the hate he did is specifically the context of how he joined the team, how they were going up against each other. You know, he lost and then he goes to that team and how good they were. Like, like people don't even talk about how good they were. They just say we we hated that team, but that was easily one of the most dominant, if not the best team of oh, all yeah. time, based oh, on the fit. Yeah and the star talent of the players knowing that steph is this off-ball guy that can do things and and like fit kd into that who can fit into any push. system yeah. draymond green defensively andre iguodala still being that wing guy like yeah. we had pieces collectively at the that, right time with the perfect, cba yeah perfect yeah. time perfect it time. Was, so, it was a perfect yeah. like it was yeah because i remember when when kd went to the warriors I just remember, dude, going... He became the I'm instantly like, dude, most hated man like, in NBA history. I'm like, instantly, forget, instantly. I'm like, yeah. forget about, like, forget about any other team winning a championship the next three years. That was, like, my first thought. Was, like, forget, like, whatever plans you have, whatever nice little team you want to put together, or this, I'm like... I'm like, good, good luck. Yeah. Yes, and I think that that's actually a perfect segue as well, because, again... When you guys trade for Harden, my, my first thought is, wow. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The context of this has to be remembered, okay? So the context is, remember, James Harden wanted out in Houston. So before the season, he's going through all this stuff at a time where the vid, right? The vid yeah. was a thing. But basically, that <coughs> happens. And James Harden is in clubs at the time during that. And people are like really slandering James Harden. Like, see, he doesn't care about basketball anymore, all this and all that. And I remember his first game, he suits up. He looks out of shape. And he had like a 45-point, 17-assist game. And it's like, no, Harden is still Harden. So for me, yeah. when I see Harden get traded over there, it's like, wow, 
they traded all these assets, which is tough. The main thing I hated was not Harden being in the deal, but the fact that they let go of Jared Allen for what seemed like nothing. Bro. It seemed like you could have just kept Jared Allen, but they it's chose because to it's, like... It's because of Dinwiddie, bro. Dinwiddie yeah? was healthy okay. and Dinwiddie got injured. So Dinwiddie was off the trade tables. That I makes have sense a to me. feeling, okay. and, unless, unless Houston was like adamant or like, yeah, like I can't kind of forget that he went there and then there. Like, um, unless they were adamant, I don't remember if they were adamant about taking him, but that was one of my biggest piss. Like, I was so pissed off that Dinwiddie got Yeah. Because I was like, ship his ass out of here. I want to keep Jared, dude. Gone. And he went down, and then that trait, I was like, no. Yeah. I thought Jared would have fit really, really well, but my initial thoughts is people had this theory that, like, oh, this this won't work for the Nets because James Harden's a ball hog. He can't pass. And I'm like, all right, so we're not watching the same basketball. As a Warriors fan who, who like, yeah. saw James Harden, sure, did he do a lot of things that got on my nerves as a fan? Absolutely. But the professionalism in terms of how he got to the basket, he got to the free throw line, and the genius of his passing as a playmaker, I'm like, so you're telling me Harden's going to come in here, be the playmaking hub with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, Two players that don't need the ball can shoot effectively from all three levels, and he's their organizer. I said, This is gonna work. And when he came over there, I remember he had many games where there was no KD. Some games it was no KD and Kyrie, and Hart was playing at an MVP level for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, we have to remember when all three of these guys were on the court together, even though I'm pretty sure it was only like 16 games in their short tenure. Those 16 games were absolutely dominant. I remember the Boston series where it's like, there's just no answer. Harden is just dicing up opposing defenses. Kyrie is doing his thing. Claxton is coming up sometimes, being real portable, really playing a tough switch, heavy defense. Like you saw these things coming together for this team and then they play the Bucks. And well, that it Chicago, was, but don't forget the Chicago game because the Chicago, oh, Chicago game, game. It was Harden, Kyrie, and I'm going to let my, my bro here get in here and talk. Um, it was Harden, Kyrie, KD, and two rookies. You had Dayron Sharp and Kessler Edwards. And it was probably, like, that was the epitome of, like, oh, my God, this is going to be disgusting. We are going to destroy everybody for the next two, three seasons. Like, I felt like a warrior. Like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine what the warrior was thinking when they got Harden, like when they got KD, like that's where I was. I was like, this is it. Like, yeah, it, it was tough to lose those assets, but you could still make the argument in the case for this works. They made a decision. Kyrie's a shooting guard. He's the point guard. It works. They have enough little pieces around them. They'll go buy out. They'll be good. But AJ, hop in yeah. here, man. Yeah, like, um, like I said, my when that Harden trade happened, I thought I think eighty. I can speak for eighty percent of Nets fans where our heart was kind of torn in half because we had Jared Allen and Karis Silver. A lot of Nets fans we didn't want to give up those guys up because those were our core, our building pieces, our young guys that were building. They built the clout of the Nets. And you fell in love with them. You fell in love with them. Um, and at first, I looked at the trade. I thought it was way too much. I thought it was we gave up way too much for Harden. It was Karis, Jared, four first rounds, three swaps. Um, I'm probably missing some other stuff, but that's a lot. That's a lot to give up um, for Harden. Like we gave up our future, we gave up our um, our, our guys, and it, it was a t like I said, your heart was torn in half because half of that was 
the old Nets and you wanted them to, you wanted to give it a chance. Like Saint was saying, you want to see KD Kyrie with those pieces, with the big role players and the depth that we had. We want to see them give him a chance to go for the finals, but we never got that chance because Sean Marks was just like, you know what? I got a chance at Harden. I'm going for it. I'm giving up our future. I'm giving up everything. And it really was kind of a torn feeling, but I knew once Harden got here, I was like, this is unbelievable. This could be arguably the greatest team we've ever seen on paper. It was the most three skilled guys and scoring do scoring trio in history in NBA history. You uh, have never seen something like that before. And the fact that it just all came down to injuries and we never really get to only what was it, 16 games? Yeah. It, yeah. It, we feel I like we were lost a single game either in those six. Like, I remember how potent the offense was because. Uh. Kyrie Irving, for me, has always been a phenomenal player, but what made him work is Bron was the guy that was, like, the playmaking hub so yeah. Kyrie could focus on just individually scoring, attacking yeah. closeouts, being that guy to fit in. Harden taking that role made it a lot easier for Kyrie, and it made them so unguardable because at the end of the day, KD, he's in the middle. And Kyrie offers something different than Harden and KD in terms of he was so unpredictable with this yeah. ball handle. You, like, okay, is this a step back? Is this me getting all the way to the basket? Is this a, a right kick out to a corner shooter? That's what, you know, Kyrie provided. So in their offense, it just flowed so perfectly. It was insane to watch. It was beautiful, man. Harden, like I said, I didn't realize how great of a playmaker Harden was until I really saw him get into his point guard. I knew he would get score. But when he came here and he went into his point guard mode, the assist, he was just, there's some people you can't just teach. You just have that, you know, like LeBron, LaMelo, those guys, Jokic. You can't teach these passes. It's like a, it's like a, um, a sense, you know, you see a guy in the back cutting in the back, you just, you just throw it to him and, and he right on the money and you get a layup. Like a lot of guys can't really play make like that. And Harden had that playmaking um, skill. And it was so good. It fit right in between KD and Kyrie because these guys are arguably the most skilled players we've ever seen scoring dynamites so Harden, all Harden had to do was dish 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 he would average 10 assists easily and then he can score if he wants to you know what I'm saying because if Katie and Kyrie are off he maybe can take off and give you 25 30 so it, the formula for that it was just amazing to see and then for 16 games but we felt robbed as Nets fans because you guys know the injuries just killed us at the end and True. the organization <laughs> the politics yes, everything yeah. that was going on COVID games bro how much things i need people on. to understand like 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 oh. if you run the simulation a thousand times what happened to the brooklyn nets is a thing that probably would not would not be replicated even like twice in that thousand bro. times because literally we had a pandemic altering oh. phenomenon that impacted this team and obviously i'm not gonna get get into like the politics and all that right but i'm saying yeah. the injuries that kept these guys out for whatever the reasoning was was really what took away from it because when they were together they were like that and remember they didn't even have multiple seasons under each other they they just knew how they to never dude, they, no but that's the thing bro they never ever had a a set legit roster what what season was that that there was like some seven like in the 80s i think like by the end of the season we had god what was the number aj it was like 60 to 80 it was something obnoxious different starting lineups that this nets team had to had to endure because like, like harden when harden got here you guys pretty much said everything 
how I felt about like the only reason why I like for me Harden was like eh was because of letting go the guys that I felt we needed that would have been part of a good championship team with Katie and Kyrie. And guess what? You still had enough to go out and get a third piece that wouldn't have destroyed your team. Yeah. It wouldn't have taken all your assets. Like you still would have. Like I wanted Drew at the time, remember? Yeah, I wanted, like you I wanted Drew. I wanted Drew on the team. Oh, that would have been nice. I, I, I felt like, yeah. I yeah. felt like the third star was 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 selfish. I felt the third star was pushing it. I felt the third star is what, you know, if it had worked, yes, then that's a different conversation. But the negative side to trading for James Harden is you completely deplete all your assets. And then you get into what we saw happen, the injuries. It's one thing when everybody's healthy, these guys can take a turn. Who's running the show? Who's hot? Who's doing this? And then it really doesn't matter what role players around them. But once you start introducing probably arguably the most ridiculous things I've seen a team go through from the injuries, number one, COVID, Kyrie and all his antics. And then you add in superstar mentality. And then I, and on top of that, you chose a first year, never coached, experienced coach and Steve Nash to head the whole thing. You tried your best to put player like enough coaches around him, but it, you couldn't you couldn't hide it. And it was like it just didn't matter. It was the most frustrating thing to watch. Like 16 games. Just imagine that. That's like you had the greatest three, like some of the best players, like three top players in the league, and you could only enjoy them for 16 games. It was ridiculous. Yeah, man. And like, I got to say that the Bucks playoff series was the interesting one. I'm going to be brutally honest, okay? I don't lie, right? I'm just going to like tell you what my thoughts were. I thought the Nets were a, a dominant team, but I was in the very small minority, and I'm fine with saying that maybe I was wrong, right? But I was in the small minority that thought that the Bucks still had a chance to beat that Nets team considering their size and the defense that they could play. Those first two games where they like beat the shit out of the Bucks, I'm like, okay, yeah. it's tough. It's tough. But I'm like, I, I'm still gonna like die with the ship. Like they gotta figure it out. They have the size, they can adjust. And then sadly Kyrie goes down Harden gets hurt, and we don't get a chance to see both of these teams at full strength. I think if you're making the argument that they still would have beat them, I think it's fair because that Bucks offense was looking really bad on paper, but I didn't think it would look as bad as it did. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were so inconsistent during that series, especially even during the uh, playoff run. But Giannis, man, I mean, he was just special. The way that we saw Giannis and KD battle each other all the way through and through, and the unsung hero of this the unsung here like a lot of people will highlight kd's masterclass epic performance but in that same game what did my man do jeff green comes in 27 points so reliable <laughs> that like man yeah, i remember I those battles i really do didn't bruce come up big too because in that oh, no, he was huge he was huge in yeah, that whole yeah, series yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the only i'll say this and i'll shut up it, it, the only thing with that series is like that's frustrating is that even after losing Kyrie and Harden, K 
KD still took them motherfuckers to excuse my language still to game to game seven and was this close this close to going to the NBA finals who knows what would have came back but we were that close that close it was <laughs> it's just so heartbreaking as an S fan to talk about this because it's like we're reliving the bad nightmares and the, the bad dreams um, but I think first of all I love Uncle Jeff and shout out to Bruce Brown I'm, I'm happy they got their their rings you know these guys were down, they were there for us when you know it was really down bad and Katie was by himself in that game and uh, Jeff Green stuck up and we were going against people don't underestimate the Bucks the Bucks had Giannis Chris Middleton and Drew and they're arguably you could arguably call them a super team but not really because they're three all stars but it's like they had the potential to be at that time, they, we thought it was the only competition. We thought we were going to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals, but we saw them in, in early on, you know? Yeah. And for everybody to go down and us to not be at full strength, but yet KD be a, a toe away from beating, you know, Giannis, Chris, and, and Drew, it was just unbelievable to watch. And I loved it. I loved every moment of it, but at the same time, I was still worried about the future of our team. Uh, when Harden first got here, I've, I you could ask Saint this, I was very skeptical. I was like... I think he just kind of hop in and get a ring and dip. Like I didn't really think he would be here for the. Uh, I said it. I said it, Harden's gonna be the first one to leave. Well, for first, I was like he was gonna be the first one to leave because oh, wow. he wasn't here for like the kind. of... I'm not saying he was here for the same intentions as like Katie and Kyrie, but he was more of just let me get away from my toxic situation, hop on this, you know, Nets train, see if I can win a ring with my guys, and if I do, you know, I win a couple, I'm good and I'll leave. I thought it was kind of like that kind of. Before he even did it, I thought I just had that feeling in my mind because I was he, like, he also snowballed us too, bro. Because yeah. in some of those interviews, when they asked him about signing his extension, he was yeah. like, "This is where I want to be." Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah, leading up that. to that offseason, yeah. and then when nobody signed the extension, we we're all like, "Uh, what's going on?" And then that was the beginning of COVID. You know, COVID that same season. So yeah, I, bro, it was tough. It was really tough, man. Yeah, man, I I think what makes it so tough is a year removed from that, the mandate pops in. Yeah. It's a huge, like, dude, the amount of media, like, scrutiny and, and talks around the team from day to day. I know as fans, it was just hard to just sit there and just watch basketball, especially when you have so many new, fresh rotations having to play minutes, having to come in, having to find ways to fit and play well and then all of that potentially leading to James Harden getting out and then you trade James Harden for Ben Simmons and I'll never forget <laughs> I'll I'll never forget listen I'm going to look dead in the camera when I say this right oh, this goes full circle to what I said at, at the beginning initially my first video on this channel was on <laughs> what team is Ben Simmons going to go to so I'm sitting yeah. here like at the start of the season I remember Ben Simmons' trade value. You could not trade him for Malcolm Brogdon and some picks. I remember that. And in the span of that same season, because of everything that was happening to the Nets, which, again, is because of a pandemic, which has never been seen before in NBA history, because of all of that, it opened up the opportunity for you to trade Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers. Because at that point... Pause, pause, time, time out though, because well, okay, the, okay, the, I, I got you. Pause, time out, because you, you go back to it wasn't just the pandemic, right? Like, 
and I'm not going to go deep into uh, nothing COVID conspiracy, nothing like that. But I am going to pause on the Kyrie situation for a second. Okay. If that dude had just played basketball, had just maybe gotten one shot and didn't, like everybody else on the team, everybody on the team got one shot, never went and got the other one, right? Like, if he had just done that, I bet you Harden doesn't leave. Because I, 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 there's no way Harden doesn't also look what's going on around him with injuries, Kyrie and his shit. Like, there's no way he doesn't look at that and go, yeah, I, I want out of here. Right? Like, there's no way. I think and Kyrie it, not playing led to Harden wanting to be out because he then had too. to play on an injury. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't really all the way healthy. No, and then he realized he would have had to do it all by himself again. Like, that's the other thing I, 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 I think with Harden that as much as I hate how he did us and took off, at the same time, it was like that first season he came here, balled his butt out, hurt his hamstring, and tried, I mean, pretty much risked his career to get us and to help potentially win a championship. So that next season, it was like, I think with the when he saw that and he saw the COVID and then he saw Kyrie make his decision, he was like, yo, I'm looking at the rest of these role players knowing we're not strong enough. And if KD goes down, which he probably will, it's just me. And I think he saw a brighter light. I think he saw Daryl Morey once again. I think that's where he wanted to be to begin with. And he said, screw it. And, and just took off. But it's like that that Kyrie decision really also did affect that James Harden thing massively. Yeah, I think it was a mixed a mixed bag, like Sam was saying. Like Kyrie, the politics was tough on us. Um, the COVID mandate was tough on us and him not playing. And then, you know, the injuries, you know, we talked about the injuries. And then Harden, I think Harden, he gave, like Sam was saying, he gave it his all, but he did end up quitting on like we we call it running from the grind you know when they say you run from the grind because we've seen what he did in houston you know he ran from that grind and he didn't want to you know continue i know like the team was kind of falling apart and he gave it his all for those years but the way he went out it was just a little something a little sus about that bro the way you went out just going to the press conference like uh, i can't do this no more like that's kind of toxic. Show up to game to just yeah. Show, yeah. show up in the fact suit. You, know, the game. you the can't. No, no. Oh my god, that Kings right? game, bro. Oh, that yeah. Kings game. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. But you're you're forgetting the worst one at the end with the Nets, and then like we can segue right to Ben because it's like, bro, when we knew he was leaving and he didn't want to play, the same like he shows up to a game in a full Adidas outfit that they just spent all day on Twitter and in media promoting his adidas outfit he had time to show up and sit on the sideline to do that but he had no energy for the team on the way out and it was like and then you flip that and go at you fast forward to okay it's the sixers oh my god we're about to get ben simmons yeah like he quit on us us in the offseason he was sabotaging us he was like quitting on games we were losing, and because he was not giving it his all, like like Gifty just said, the Kings game. This man had. And you two didn't have points. KD either, too. Like two, we're talking about, yeah. we're talking about one of the best scores we've ever seen, James Harding. Two points against the Sacramento Kings. I remember that just, game, bro. You could yeah. you could see it in his effort, and I like I said, he had I watched four it, yeah. points, but it really did. Well, yeah, two or two or four, 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 four. Whatever it is. Yeah. I watch basketball, you know, like 
I'm addicted to basketball. I'm a basketball junkie, so I could tell when somebody's not playing hard and they're just mailing it in. And Definition. he was doing that. He yeah. was doing that. He wanted out. He wanted out, and he did it the, the toxic way. It's like Sam was saying, there was a lot going on here. We had the politics going on. We had the injuries, and then there was organizational things that he saw also. You know, Harden knew like the owner Josiah and Kyrie were on. They had beef. Um, KD was not talking to Sean. You know, KD spent a summer without talking to Sean, and there was a little beef from team there, and then. It was just a very toxic organization at the time. Everything, the politics, mixed in with Kyrie, mixing with the injuries. I could see why Harden did it now and on the outside looking in. But when at the time I was kind of just pissed at Harden for quitting at us, <laughs> quitting on us. But He's um, like, oh the, sure, I'll go yeah. play with him, B. Yeah, <laughs> sure. now that years passed, I'm like, I know Here's ben why Simmons. he left. Yeah. Now now that years passed, I know why he left. I know why he did it. Yeah, yeah it was a rough go with things again a lot of things happened that were just out of everyone's control but again man in the span of one season we go from saying Harden is this MVP caliber player to Ben Simmons being traded for him and like this is not hating okay this is how I felt about Ben Simmons before the trade I thought Ben Simmons was like this nice player but the fact that on every time ESPN first thing would be like oh he's LeBron James without a jump shot it's like, are we watching the same basketball? Like, I'm seeing Ben Simmons shrink under pressure in terms of not looking for his shot because he believes by not taking shots, I'm going to be a effective version of myself because I'm not good at this. So I'm not going to shoot the ball at all so I don't hurt my team. But it's so short-sighted because when you're not being guarded like that, you make everyone else's job harder. So for KD and Kyrie, I said this as soon as he got traded, if Ben is not looking at the basket and is not trying to be a aggressive offensive option, then he's going to be an offensive liability, which makes it easier to load up on Kyrie and KD, especially if he's not doing a whole bunch of, of off ball screens. Are we going to say he's the five? He's not really a rim protector. That would be Joel Embiid. I wasn't high on this trade from the beginning that it happened, but it really sucked because when you traded for him, he never played that season. And I get it that like, okay, he might be hurt. Like there's things uh, going on, but all indications headed into the playoffs. It felt like he might be back during, during the series. And then it never happened. What were your thoughts on the Ben Simmons trade? Yeah. I mean, it was a time where I knew Harden was going to leave. I knew before, like, you know, we all knew he was going to get traded. I don't think like it was too toxic. It was, it was way he came out and the way he played in that Kings game, you know, the slight kind of shade he would throw at us. It was just like, I knew it was going to be too toxic and Sean was going to get rid of him, but I didn't think it was going to be for Ben. But I heard the talks of Philly, but I was like, we actually got Ben Simmons. And we're talking about Ben Simmons with a back injury, you know, and coming from a basketball perspective, Achilles and back injuries are probably the two worst injuries you could have for basketball because it is, it's kind of deep. It just debilitates you. I've seen T-Mac ruined his, his career on back spasms. You know what I'm saying? Backs is really tough. You need your back in this sport. <laughs> you do. Maybe in every sport, but this sport is particular because you need to jump. You need your core. And I was worried about Ben being on his team. I was like, something, I hope they did their checks during the trade. I hope they looked at him um, thoroughly, uh, the surgically, uh, you know, all the tests, physical, whatever they had to do to pass those physicals. I wonder what they did at that time. I don't know if Sean did his due diligence there. That's another story, but he came on his team and I, the basketball fit, I thought it was going to be great because I'm like, okay, 
Ben at his, I'm thinking we're going to get Billy Ben, Philly Ben. That's what I was thinking about. Philly Ben was going to come to this team and we're going to get Philly Ben. But that's the mistake. I, I was, I was tricked. <laughs> I, we didn't get Philly Ben. We just got Ben out of commission, Ben. And, you know, not playing Ben. Um, but I thought it was going to be a perfect fit because you put a point guard that can distribute kind of like you had Harden with Katie and Kyrie. You know, I've seen Ben at his best self. He was a great playmaker, average 10 assists. He goes downhill. He's athletic. You know, he'll, he'll draw the defense when he um, is athletic and gets to the rim. But I, it didn't work out like that. Uh, I mean, it was just so, so tough to see Ben um, kind of in that playoffs. He, we knew he wasn't ready, but they just kind of threw him in the mix. And we're like, okay, Ben's going to play. He's going to play. He's going to play. But then his back ended up giving out. He, uh, I think he, was in a, he wasn't able to move. And... Yeah. We knew we were just down bad. He couldn't. I don't think he, we thought he was going to save us from the Celtics, but we thought we'd have a way better chance to take it to like these game six, you know, something like that. You may have thought that, but you didn't think that. You think it was well, you just clip? Come on, AJ. I've told you, AJ, AJ hates me because I tell him, <laughs> I tell him, the last like two two seasons, I've told him when the Nets season was officially over, and AJ will tell you nine times out of ten. AJ, when have I told you that? You told me before it happens. You, yeah, you like, tell me like, halfway over. through the season. Like, you told me when we like, were just, well, you're like, like, yeah, we're done. We're, yeah. We'll make them like, whether it's the series, whether we, like, I could just, I have a sense of like when the Nets die during the season. Yeah. And, and bro, like. There was a lot going on. Kyrie just came back. It was very, t- it was, uh, it was just kind of like too forced. It was very rushed in that playoffs run, bro. It was very rushed. You know, it, it was just really a weird season. Well, you, you can know? tell everybody was checked out. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean that's yeah. part of like this this last season. Like, as I'm looking at our topics, and it's like, bro, like, just that whole Ben Simmons coming on, and and this is where, like, because I think there was a stretch where I think the Nets organization did a horrible job at like dealing with injuries, uh, letting the 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 public know information about the injuries. Uh, sometimes they would come out with language that would seem to throw the player under the bus. And then sometimes you think you were hearing like, like, like the team's language from it, but it was like, they always, and I don't know if it was a combination of Ben saying, Hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then they would put him in and he wouldn't be okay. Then they would put, it just, they should have sat him down because going back to when they traded for him, they knew he was injured. They waived his medical. They also waived Seth Curry's medical, who needed ankle surgery, right? Like, so you had two players that were known injured when they came here, and you waived the medicals, and then you played a dumb game with the fan base and everybody else in the media trying to go, well, is it physical or is it mental? Is it, oh, I think it's both. No, I just think it's, you know, and you had this dumb conversation when it was like here is a guy like if you separate the mental the mental if you know anything about the story you know you know if you don't try to find out the story is outside of basketball the mental aspect of things when stuff started happening in basketball that coincided with that it just was too much for ben to handle and you can tell but on top of that he had a physical back issue that needed surgery and they never gave him a chance. They should have just sat him down, looked at the specialist, ran with it, either got the surgery earlier or let this guy sit because what they did with him that whole season up until the end is part of the reason why why it looked the way it did. 
They didn't help Ben Simmons's image out. He didn't help it out. And it was just like, a, and by the time, and I told AJ this, by 2022 and when that season, and we got into the postseason, like it pretty much was a slow bleed at that point. Yeah. It, it just, it really was. And it, and, it, and it just, there was nothing you could really do once you got to the point of the Kyrie and KD trade requests, man. Yeah. Like it just. Ben, ben had mental problems before he got here. Yes, um, he did. Mental issues. Yeah, and he brought you, all his issues with him. So you're throwing that, you're throwing that out there with a bad back. So it's, it's not a combination for it to look good in the media. You're gonna look terrible in the media because you're gonna. And see he got Dennis. all the pressure on Ben. Like, like, like. Yeah. I hated it yeah. because I never looked at Ben to be that player. Even in Philadelphia in the playoff yeah. series, I saw like his flaws as a player. But you have like the public saying he's LeBron without a jump shot, like putting all this pressure on him. On and then him, when he yeah. gets traded, I'm hearing multiple fans in the offseason. I'll never forget this, right? I'm hearing multiple fans tell me Ben Simmons is going to be our small ball five. He's going to provide rim protection. Uh, he's going to play those people. Yeah. He's, he's going to get a bunch <laughs> of triple doubles. We didn't yeah. like when those people at all, when they came yeah. and said that. And I'm like, why we put so much pressure on a guy that has not played basketball in damn near two years at this point and yeah. is coming in with a injury that he's trying to recover from. And number one, AJ, you know this, when you're playing the game, like, you have to get your confidence back. Yeah, when you're coming sure. off of, of, of injury, especially after the last time you played basketball, you fumbled against the Atlanta Hawks and everyone memes you for clowns you for whatever. You have to yeah. get your confidence right as a basketball player. And I don't feel like he ever had like that right space or time to do that. When in the same season he's trying to do that, before KD says, fire the GM, fire the owner. Fire the coach. <laughs> I want out, right? Like yeah. that was such a tough time. What were your thoughts for that offseason? Because that was a very tough offseason. I remember that. Yeah. Is that um, wait? Okay, okay go. Yes, yeah, and go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. I. Well, I mean, and th this is like when, because it was almost like I don't even know how to explain it. It just like after, how he requested or when uh, Katie requested. Okay, but the first work. Are we talking first request or second request here? Well, the I'm first was the first uh, request. Okay. Yeah, first so first request, like it just I, AJ and I had talked, like we knew there were problems. Okay, I, I had just come into the Twitter world and got on Spaces and started running with all the people that are you know my Nets family now, and I remember telling them back then that like, like dude, like there's so many issues with this team. Like I know you guys keep seeing championship but you're ignoring X, Y, Z. And I used to complain about the coach and I used to complain about so yep. many different aspects of the game that I would be like basic fundamental shit, right? Like, and I would say it in these spaces and these people would like, they would be like, no, no, no. And they would give the company the company answer. And I'm just like, I'm like, bro, at some point, like this is not going to work. Like these players are going to ask out. People are not going to be happy, especially if you have all these injuries, like, and you're dealing with, like, it's just like in the coaching staff, you saw like a fundamental decision to year after year, not deal with coaching, not deal with rebounding, not dealing with like certain aspects, like getting the, like, how long did Kyrie KD say needed forward? Like a Wingsley, a Wingsley right? Yeah, like, 
he finally gets him after he's gone, right? Like, yeah. but he, it just, there were so many things that led up to that first trade request that I kind of knew, like, quite honestly, like when that request came in, I, for me personally, and I said this sometimes, like, I knew that was the beginning of the end. Mm. Yeah. Like, like, like that was the beginning of the end. The fact that they they brought him back, it still didn't feel a hundred percent. Didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel genuine, even though they did the group like boardroom meeting, yeah, group like letterhead and all that crap. Like, it just, it just, it felt like it showed that something was broken that I just spent a full season telling you was broken. Yeah, KD tells you it's broken. Fix it or I'm gone nothing changes but he comes back well, well let me do this it was only it, a matter of time and then me, you saw what happened with with Nash. yeah let me put it into perspective from the people that are not nets fans because the outside world looking in everybody thought katie chose steve nash to be the head coach but we were hearing from in we we know for certain in the nets organization sean marks and steve nash were best friends since i think they played together on the phoenix suns a yes couple years ago yes they they've been planning friends. this They've been planning this for years to come. Sean Marks um, put Steve Nash there with, you know, I mean, Katie just had to sign off. He was like, okay, Steve Nash. All right. He's my friend. But Sean Marks was going to do it regardless because that's his best friend. He promised him he was going to, yo, I got you. I'm going to make you a head coach behind the scenes. Sean Marks chose uh, uh, Steve Nash, not Katie. People in the outside world think Katie chose Nash. That wasn't how it went down. Sean Marks chose Steve Nash to be the head coach. Katie realized this man can't coach. <laughs> we don't believe in him. We can't. He, he can't lead us to a chip. You try to tell the organization that. I mean, try to tell Sean that. And he wanted the GM fired. He wanted. Um. He told. He went to Joe. He wanted GM fired, and he wanted uh, Steve Nash fired. He didn't talk to Sean Marks that summer. Um. And we knew things were toxic. So when that request came in, it just broke our hearts because it was like we can't lose KD. He's the core of our. He's the core of our future. He's our franchise star. He's the future of the. Fr- I mean, he's the franchise. You can't just leave the franchise like now we're stuck with Kyrie. Yeah, it's like because there's this thing between players and owners. I know people are like, oh, it's a it's an owner. Players run league. You know, we got to listen to the um, the players, players movement, you know, players. But at the end of the day, they are out there playing. If Katie says he doesn't want Steve Nash to be the coach, you do it. You know what I'm saying? In my opinion, that's how I wanted it to be, because we all know Steve Nash can't coach. But. That trade request just broke our hearts because we we're like we had a possible chance of losing KD, and we saw the talks with the Suns and everything stir up, and it was just it was a hectic time. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely think that what makes it tough on top of this is again like the turmoil of the entire regular season you go through with some fans having hope, like okay, we got Ben Simmons, let's see what we do in the playoffs, and then again like the same people that that uh, Saint is talking about these same people were saying coming into the boston series we have kevin durant and kyrie irving there's just, just virtually no answer for these guys and then ben simmons might come back later into that run and then you see after that's over with okay our team has some flaws what do we do and nothing is addressed like you said i mean it never looks good if your best player is saying like get these people in in management out it doesn't happen you bring back the same team and you just run it and that kind of showed in the first 10 games i will never forget the first 10 games might have been some of the most toxic twitter stuff (laughs) that i've seen with the brooklyn nets in those first 10 games and the fact that steve nash got fired in the first 10 automatically yeah game six 
Katie, Katie said, yeah, Katie was like, you fire. We want, I want him fired. No, 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 we're keeping him. Five games later, you're <laughs> you fired. fired. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The, the, the beautiful, like, because there were so many people capping for Nash when I first got in, like, Nets Twitter. And I was just like crapping on him. And like two of the guys that I used to argue with are like two of my, my best buds now, right? Like, but it was like when you're at that stage of the game, and that's what was so frustrating is like even leading up to that moment where Nash left and we knew Marks was there, there was this glimmer of hope for the first time in like a while that like, Okay, hey, maybe this ship could be righted. We thought we were going to get Ime. We all saw how that went. But even with Coach Vaughn, like, at the very beginning, there was this feeling of, like, okay, hey, Kyrie rocks with Vaughn. KD rocks with Vaughn. Maybe we can make this work. And it, and, and it just, like, it, so for a little bit, you kind of felt like, oh, okay, hey, part of the problem's gone. You can't have both. You can't have Marks and Nash. You, you get you get, it's 50 50 we get to keep marks you get to lose nash but and now you like now you're faced with like setting a whole new team together and that like that that in itself is a whole other discussion we'll get there but it, it just I, I just remember that time after nash got fired i felt good for like a little bit where i was like okay hey this might work out and the and the and the con and, and the record reflected that it's not like this, this this team, like when these guys left this team, we were what, one or two? I can't remember. Were we one or two in the, I think, two in the East? Yeah, number two in the East. Uh, we went on, yeah. you know, when we on the streak, 18-game winning streak? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that streak, like, I remember watching the games, like, seeing, like, Vaughn just say, we're going to play the guys that we need to if we're trying to win ball games. He didn't really care too much about Ben Simmons. Playing Yuta, like, the impact that Yuta was making on this team with KD and Kyrie, they were just winning at such a high level. The toxic stuff exited. It's like, oh shit, they won 18. It was a whole like, new team. Yeah. yeah. And it was a like whole Steve, new team. Yeah. Steve Nash was like the veil. It was like when Steve Nash left, it was like a, the veil was just yes. lifted and we were just able to breathe and actually play, play real skilled basketball. You know what I'm saying? Now, can we pause too on that? Think about up until that point. Uh, How many times in two seasons? You went as a net fan going, we're winning it all. It's over. Bury me under this volcano. We're winning it all. Bury me under the volcano. Like how many times in two seasons did you go from that like extreme of like, oh my God, they're going to do this to like, holy crap, we're cursed. And it just was such a, like, it was just another stop on the roller coaster. Right. Right. right? Like it felt great. 18 game winning streak, the whole nine yards. Nets, you feel on top of the world. You feel unbeatable. Like, hey, come, come, uh, trade deadline. We might be able to pick up some a, a piece or two we need, or or even buy out. Hey, we got some things to play with, so there was hope again. Yeah, I like the team. I thought we was gonna go far with that team. Yeah. Right after the 18 game winning streak, um, Steve again. Steve Nash was not a good coach. When you don't have basketball experience at all, coaching experience, I'm talking about. I'm sorry, coaching experience, basketball coaching experience. Steve Nash has never coached in his life before um he did the, the you know of course you know in the warriors he was the um what was it, a skills a skills trainer i think i think it was a skills trainer yep. on, on the warriors yeah yep. a skills trainer but he wasn't a coach coach he never had coach you know or assistant coach 
You know, you got to pay your dues. He wasn't even a trainer. I just thought he was like a mentor type dude. He might have been, yeah. He he was on the right? staff. Like, he was, he was like, he, like that. yeah, yeah. Wasn't he like, he a was like the guy that like was like a a skills guy, kind of to like help guys, but it was more like like this guy that's just there, right? Yeah, like like yeah, you know like slightly related to it. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. because if you talk to players, AJ, if you remember this right, like if you talk to players, players will tell you what an amazing, awesome dude he is. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a great people's guy. He's a great players guy. Like I want him to stay 100%. in that player coach lane. I think he could, but he just got to pay his dues. You know, you can't just be like like I said. Sean Marks just took him from okay, you're a Hall of Fame point guard. Okay, you were MVP, but that doesn't make you a great head coach. You got to go through the ranks. You got to go through the assistant coaching ranks, G League coaching ranks. I don't care what level. You got to coach <laughs> at some level before you become a head coach. And what and, did I always say, AJ? You can't yeah. give a 15 year old the keys to a Ferrari. Exactly. You can't. <laughs> you just and that's throw. what we did. And Steve Nash didn't know how to call timeouts at the right Dude. time. He wasn't making <laughs> the right substitutions. He was. Um, the strategy was just off. Anything about know. anything bounding, we sucked at inbounding, rebounding, anything yeah. with bounding. Yeah, like we, yeah, it was terrible. Bond, and like bond, on top of yeah. it, it's like they, like they. <laughs> I feel bad, kind of too, because it's like his, his first chance at coaching. He's coaching a team <laughs> that has so much shit going on with James Harden, KD, Kyrie, all the injuries. I remember at one point, I think James uh, Johnson was, was on his team starting. Like it, it yeah. was. It was LeBron, a lot going LeBron, on. Yeah. I ate. Hey, if you ever heard the term LeBron Johnson, <laughs> I, that's nasty. Right they here. used to call him LeBron Johnson. I he was started so calling much. him LeBron Johnson in his spaces, and then everybody started tweeting it. And then I heard it on ESPN, like that, yeah. like later, like the next day or something. Like I'm the coin. I'm, I coined that. Just so LeBron, Johnson. LeBron Johnson. He coined that. Uh, yeah. I don't know why he was starting him. I don't know why. No, it was some nasty work, but but like my thing is again, y'all win 18 games straight, yeah. and then I, out of nowhere, Kyrie says, Yeah, I'm done, I want out. And the signs were kind of on the wall still in the background because remember, before this, ironically enough, they were playing so well, people like calmed the noise down yeah. about the off the court stuff and all this. I'm I don't want to get into that crazy, but you know, what I'm no, talking about. Like, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but the the fact of his post. That's yeah. really like we don't have to go deep into that, but that That's yet again, just no, no, no. But just yeah. yet again, just like that other season with the COVID thing and his in his decision, yep. You know, he made another decision, like without getting into it, that did affect his himself and his play on the team for a little while, and it, and it really and it really like whatever was left, and I'll say this moving past that subject. And then AJ, you could tell me about like I felt like whatever, whatever was, whatever little was left with Kyrie Irving and the organization, like Sean Marks and Joe Sy, when that thing he posted out went out, I think it was all done right there, and it was just a matter of time. And then at the and at that moment, he decides to start talking about contract extension, was probably the worst like. Why would you go from that? Why would you go from trying to get out of a anti-Semitic drama-filled thing to then wanting to go into a contract negotiation with your team? Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, bro. I mean, he wanted his money, and the stuff he did before in the past seasons affected it. I mean, me, we, as I'm saying, Nets Nation was divided at the time when Kyrie made a request. We all knew we, he wanted his money. 
we all know before the season he asked for his money and he ended up just you know it was, okay i'm gonna shut up and play i'll sign the one-year deal you know but i still want to be compensated i want my four or five year max so when the trade deadline came we all know that Kyrie's bird rights um there was i think there was a deadline with his bird rights and he there was a possibility of him getting more money he would lose his bird rights if he became a free agent i think that's what it was um so he needed his money asap at the deadline and he made the power move and said he's going to request a trade and joe side it was already toxic in the organization joe Sai and sean yeah, it was fun, dude. joe yeah, Sai and sean good. didn't like him they did not like Kyrie. we can all admit it now yeah he's gone and he did i not, think that writing like was on the wall with that and and like i think for me i was one of the people that said okay I understand who Kevin Durant is. And I feel like the moment you trade away Kyrie, if you're not getting a return back that makes sense with Kevin Durant after everything that he's already been through, he's going to go. That was my take on it, right? And yep. after it happened, seeing what they traded Kyrie for, which it's not their fault because, well, okay, partially their fault, right? But at the time, Kyrie's yeah, value was... Right. At the time... No. At the time, Kyrie's value was clearly in the dumpster. So, obviously, the return wasn't going to be big for Kyrie. But after that happens, it's like, okay. So, you're telling me that Kevin Durant, who just got swept last year by the Boston Celtics, comes into the very next season where he's saying, fire the coaches, please. Give me some help. Like, like this isn't working out. You don't do it. They start out terrible in the first 10 games. New head coach. They, they went 18 straight. KD goes <laughs> down. KD goes down. Kyrie says, I'm good. I want out. And now out. he has to come yeah. back and play with Ben Simmons and all these other pieces and somehow Indeed. make that work. Yeah. No, I feel like he was gone at that point. Yeah. Nah, yeah. I mean, but like, I mean, that's what we said. It's like, bro, it's like the writing was on the wall prior to all that stuff. Yeah. It was just a matter of like people playing chess. How many more things could go wrong that finally pushes one of these players over the line? Because, like, let's be honest. Like, like KD's not getting any younger. He wants to try to win before he's out, right? Like, that's probably what he have. I, I really believe him and Kyrie would have loved to win a championship in Brooklyn. I really think they like living there. I really do. Like, from all intents and purposes and, and, and back backdoor conversations I have with people that have talked to both, like they, they they loved being there. It was just whatever relationship that they had amongst themselves sometimes and even with the front office and the owner was clearly fractured. Because I look back and, and, and Nets fans like to play this game where just like in today's politics where you have to pick a side. You can't look at things from a grand big picture and realize that everyone played a part right like we could pinpoint things that Kyrie did wrong KD did wrong Harden did wrong various players then you get into Sean Marks you could go down a list of mistakes uh Joe Sy just being uh an owner that yeah we're, but, but Joe, what Joe Sy the owner to me is guilty of is believing too much in Sean Marks it, it, like it Sean Marks is hit it out of the park sometimes but then he's also screwed it I'm sorry. You can't trade three superstars within a year and a half, and you and you as a GM and your organization in the front office and like, like, 
you guys have nothing to do with that. That's just all their fault. Like, no, like it's 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 a group. It was a group effort. That whole destruction of Katie, Kyrie, Steve Nash, Sean Marks, like it just it wasn't meant to be right. Like you saw what it was at time for 16 games. You saw some of the best basketball you've seen in your life. And that was it. And it was like, but outside of that, it was, it just was, it wasn't destined to be, and it was the right thing to move on. It, it really was like, I know we'll get into the KD trade, but I, I'm quite, I told this to AJ, I was happy and relieved Kyrie requested out. Wasn't happy with the return, but it, it like when he left this team, even with KD not leaving just yet, there was a level of drama and toxicity that did leave. AJ and I have different views on it. He may think different, but he's more pro Kyrie. I'm not so pro Kyrie. (laughs) No, I mean, I understand. Like, the reason I wanted Kyrie to stay is because I want, you know me, I'll do anything to bring a championship to my city, bro. Like, I want a championship at all costs. And I know people, I know Kyrie did us wrong. I know he did us wrong. And I know, trust me, I almost upset at Kyrie too. Those days when he went MIA and. Those days he didn't come to, to work and the, and the vaccine mandates. I wasn't upset he wasn't playing, too. It's just that I wanted to keep him because I wanted him to win a chip. And I thought he was the best way to do it. So you just had to pay him. You know, that was just my point of view. And but I could see Saints point of view like he's so toxic. He's bringing all of us down. Get rid of him and get a good get a return from another return. It was not as not good. I don't think we sh- Kyrie's worth more than that, in my opinion. He's worth what would you get? Spencer, uh, Dorian, and a couple picks. It wasn't even like you know. I think he's worth more than that, a lot more than that. And also, we're gonna talk about the KD trade. He, I think KD was at the time. I thought KD was worth more than that, but we'll get into that. I, <laughs> I don't want to go too. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, gifted. I mean, yeah, I look at somebody like Kyrie, and and it seems like certain players, Harden's falling into this category where it's like. I, I do think Kyrie's value is there more than Harden's. I never thought I would. Say, I think at one point you could say Kyrie's value was at lower than Harden's, yeah. but I think it's reversed. I think Kyrie definitely has more value now. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he finishes out his time with the Mavericks because it's like, I'm sorry, everywhere this guy's gone, Cleveland, he said it, Boston, he said it, the Nets, he said it, and now he's sitting there saying, I wish Dallas Mavericks would have drafted, drafted me. me. Yeah. They wrap their arms around like all this, like I should have been here from the beginning. It's like, bro, come on, dude. It, it's the same song and dance with some of these players. You know, they tell the fans and what people, what they want to hear. And when things don't work out the way they want them to, then they completely do about faces and go somewhere else. And then when you question them on it, they get sensitive. Yeah. I think how I looked at the Kyrie situation, I think he handled a lot of things incorrectly. But like you said, saying I feel like it was a group effort in terms of the many wrong things that happened with the Nets. My thing with Kyrie is I feel like he has had to grow so quickly in the leadership role that's been thrust upon him. And he hasn't really handled it well. I think for the Dallas Mavericks, obviously... We question, is he going to be there more than one year, two years? How long will that last? Dallas didn't want to <laughs> sign him for like four years because obviously it's Kyrie. We don't know what's going to happen. But I do believe that truly what he's able to do on the court when he's right, he, like he's he's one of the it's most satisfying world. players no, his, to watch. It's his just what comes value. with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the on court value is through the roof. He's a, he's worth a ton on the court. It's the off the court stuff that's hurting yeah. his value. That's no, the, but we, but we. Value. Oh, this is gonna get spicy. But we talked about this too, though. But since LeBron, the fuck has Kyrie done? Yeah. Yes. Like I since think that's LeBron and that one chip, like dude, like there's no deny. That's the thing that's so interesting about Kyrie is like nobody's denying dude has got otherworldly like if yes. jesus was playing basketball and have moves he'd probably take some of Kyrie's, right like he was literally right. like he's otherworldly he does crap that's on the like and at times he's definitely clutch and he's definitely won a lot of games so i don't want to completely crap on him but in the grand scheme of things he hasn't done anything mm. since lebron's championship and i feel like it's like you keep putting this guy on a pedestal like okay yeah you have all these great skills but your outside stuff's ruining your game and then even how you move around within the game at times where it's all about you kind of tends to take away from like who you are and your value as a player and somewhat like where teams don't want to trust you and you're seeing it with Harden Harden's getting close to talking himself out of the league like, like to, to think that teams don't want to touch Harden because of his third now. I mean, am I wrong? Like, gifted? Like, I mean, is... Well, I think the last thing that I'll say on the Kyrie and the Harden thing, what makes it tough is James Harden, the injuries have clearly made him look like a different player. He, he's far from what he was yeah. on Brooklyn the first year. But also the off-the-court stuff with Harden, which... I don't buy too much into because he's always been able to produce at a high level. He just likes to club in his off time. That's fine. I don't really care about that. But it's the notion that you're going into situations and you're asking out very early into these same situations. You're not taking contract extensions. You're asking to be traded while you're under contract and you're on yeah. the wrong side of 30 with the game that has always been based on you getting to the rim playmaking and doing those things but now it's like can he really stay healthy for a entire season and postseason he's getting older Kyrie more of the same he also misses a ton of time as well I think his last time where like he showed that okay I can be some version of a leader was ironically with Boston and not the second year but the first year where like He's this great player. They win a ton of games. He's in the MVP conversation. But then the minute he goes down and they go to the conference finals and then next year they come back and they start these guys and not Brown, who was like a big part of their run, the vibes were off and Kyrie didn't handle that well. So so with Kyrie now in Dallas specifically, where he's on a team where clearly the number one guy is Luka by far. Like he's, he's not only younger, but he's literally one of the best players we've ever seen and now it comes down to Kyrie accelerating the pace of this team there's younger players on that team who, who look up to Kyrie who value Kyrie and it's now a question of okay can you finally transition into being a long-term pro in this league or are you done those are those are valid questions saying I'm not mad at that but I, I do want to yeah I, I agree and that's the thing with Jay, with with Harden and Kyrie is that it's like at some point with Harden, it's become to the point where he's asking to leave teams like he's asking to go change his shirt or his pants or his shorts. And he's asking it with that kind of like energy, like, hey, I'm going to go change my shirt. But he's not real. Like what these teams have to do 
to gut themselves or to benefit yeah. every time he does that and shuffle like at some point uh, uh, teams are just going to be like no nah, i'm good bro and you want to get paid 40 million dollars like that's the absurdity part of it too like when you, you want to get paid max money at, yeah you look at Harden, you look at some of these players and it's like bro and you want max money when you're not you're not producing you're not provide you're not you're either not doing this asking out leaving not honoring the contract skipping days or just not performing or you're always getting injured what's yeah. so attractive about that i definitely hear those points but i really want to transition to the biggest thing in all this the kevin durant trade right the return that you get for kevin durant so First off, I remember exactly where I was. I was about to go to sleep. It was late at night. And then it's like breaking news. He's been traded to the Suns. And it's like, yeah, the Suns were on his short list of teams he wanted to go to. But I, I really doubt it, AJ, like if, if he was going to wind up being on the Suns. But he is. And you guys get Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and all these picks. Now, initially, I'm like, this is the return for KD. But then I thought about it. And it's like, okay. Kevin Durant is on the wrong age of 30. He's getting injured routinely over and over and over. These things are happening to him. And then you're there. And then at the same time, he's being traded to a team where now they're trying to set up an infrastructure where they can compete. But you're getting all these picks unprotected, like four unprotected picks, pick swaps. You're getting the entire future of the Suns where Katie might not even be on that team. And then obviously now they sign bradley beal who has a no trade clause which means by the way if they fail for the next two years and they want to trade bill they can't trade him so then it becomes between bradley beal no sorry devin booker or kevin durant kevin, durant. kevin durant's out the window so now that team looks completely different all these assets are there and more importantly the evolution of mikhail bridges on the suns before the trade because then when you get mikhail bridges in brooklyn you get brooklyn bridges you get this guy that has averaging like 24 or 25 in his short stint on the Brooklyn Nets playing every game the polar opposite from what you were used to before these trades this guy just comes in goes to work works hard a bunch of young talent but that's what you have and I think that for this team currently they're trying to figure out what's going to happen what the vision is but I think right now your main goal is stay competitive use Mikhail as our best player potentially work his value up if he's not the piece then we move him for even better piece in the future but for now I really got to see where your heads are at AJ I want to start with you what were your thoughts on the KD trade and specifically getting Mikhail Bridges in return oh man you can you can probably go back on YouTube and find me I was very upset at, at that return at the time uh, I even took a break from YouTube. I even took a break from the Nets because I was just I was oh, really wow. overwhelmed. Oh, wow. Hey, tell them how long you... Okay, two I things. Yeah. Hey, tell them how long you were awake for and tell them how long we couldn't find you for. When Katie requested that, I, yeah. I, well, in the deadline, I couldn't even like... I didn't sleep for like five... What was it, like a week? It might have been a week. Damn. Been like, dude, he oh, wow. couldn't because he was coming up with so much content, different things. Like, mm. dude couldn't sleep, bro. He was texting me three in the morning, afternoon, morning, yeah. noon. Like, yeah, it was a bad wow. time, bro, because it's like, I'll tell a little bit of behind the scenes. Because um, I got a, from a very good source I know, it was a week before the actual trade happened. I got a source that told me that, listen, Katie's going to the Suns. And I remember I hit saying up quickly, and I was just like, bro, K 
KD's going to the Suns. I mean, I was just, I was heartbroken. Um, but now you, when you combine the tea leaves of what Brian Winhart eventually said of what the details happened, when Kyrie um, was gone, that instantly put the sugar out. Katie's like, listen, get me to another team. You know how Katie is gifted. He was on the Warriors. He needs stars. He wants stars on his team. He's not going to stay here. He, so I got that text. Boom. He's going to the sun. So I'm thinking like, oh, my God, what are we going to get back for him? And then what's crazy is I got another um, when I hit my source a little bit closer to the deadline. He told me that there's a possibility of Katie staying. Now, the behind the scenes of that was because Joe Sy called um, the Suns owner. I forgot his name. The Suns owner, Matt Ishbia. He called Matt Ishbia on the phone and they had a kind of dueling out between, I think it was over Jay Crowder. Um, Matt Ishbia didn't really want to give up Jay Crowder. And you can, let's go on YouTube and type in Brian Winhorst. Brian Winhorst told the story. Matt Ishbia didn't want to give up Jay Crowder. The trade almost fell through at, a, I think it was like 8 p.m., um they had a disagreement later than that yeah 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 it was later than that it was a disagreement and magic was like you know what forget this we're not gonna go for kd right now um but then at like i think it was like midnight or one in the morning matt ishbia called back and was like forget it you can have jay crowder whatever you want get give me kd and as soon as that and it was that close because you know the deadline is a certain time i think it was the next day at what is it 11. you can tell as soon as that call came in we're all, I think we was on stream. Were we on stream? I think I was on Spaces when it happened. Um, and Katie got traded. I looked at a return, and the picks were good. I didn't mind the picks. I think Katie was worth more picks than that because I saw Rudy Gobert go for, what was it, five? And we got four and some swaps. I think Katie was worth six first. <laughs> That's just me. I'm, I'm a Bison Nets fan, but whatever. I think Katie's one of the best players of, we've ever seen. So I thought he was worth more than just four. I thought we could have got more than that. But then I saw Mikhail and CJ, and I'm like, what? Those are the players? I'm like, I love Mikhail's cool and CJ's are cool, but they're robe guys. Like we should got like a something more than that. Something more, you know? I, I just didn't didn't sit right with me at the time. I thought we we lost on that trade, bro. I was like, I can't believe I know we Katie's amazing and everything but it's like we could have got more for him in my opinion but mikhail and cj ended up working out and we saw mikhail's growth on the nets now he's trying to become a number one option this season but it's just from the beginning of that katie that's kind of like the backstory of what the katie feelings for me like i said i took a break from youtube i had to take a mental health break because it was just too much covering the nets being emotionally involved with the nets yeah and then seeing it all just tear apart before your very eyes is just very traumatizing but <laughs> i just want to say aj before saying goes man yeah. that that was a hell of a story i did not yeah. know you was down bad like that but yeah. i got some nets friends and it's like i can only imagine because again like watching that team every single day where it's like some new stuff here there this player's not playing or whatever and for it's all end with kd going back for that initial package i remember my exact response was damn that that's like i feel you on that so yeah. i feel you for that especially when yeah. you still have to cover the team but there's yeah. an emotional attachment to it that's that's very tough yeah good thing now i had already so for me when kd left in, in the return, like I had already, again, I'm a pre, whoa, sorry, have these papers. I'm a pre planner of my expectations and my misery. Like I get to the end point faster than most people do 
emotionally and in my head. That's just how I think, right? Like, so I was already there. Like I had already prepared myself. So I was more for me centered on, on the return. And just like AJ, where it's like, if I take, like when you take KD and you just say his name and you think of what you should get in a return, but then you got to add some other things in there. Dude's 34. Dude's literally an walking injury at least once a year, right? Like if he gets, like there's so many things at this end of his career where it was like, yeah, if we had had more time, but see, that's the thing where it's like Sean Marks is a weird dude, right? When it comes to us trying to get a player or sign a player or trade for a player, the dude takes way too long. But the second somebody wants to like get traded or go somewhere or like he always seems to like just jump right away. If you don't want to be here, he's one of those guys like if you don't want to be here, I'm getting you out of here now. Next ship gone. Bye. Like that's how his attitude is, you know, and it's like, but I think that hurt us. I think he could have been a little bit more like what we just saw with 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 Dane. And the owner didn't just cave to get him right to Miami where he wanted to go. Like, see, I'm a little different. Like, I understand you have to pretend, you have to be nice to superstars and send them where they want to go most of the time when they trade requests. So it helps keep the superstar, you know, oh, hey, Brooklyn will take care of you, right? Like, I understand you got to do that to some degree. But on the flip side is it's like you saw with Kyrie, they didn't give a shit where he went. And they, they, they tried to get what they, they did could. Not with what they, they did not care where that man went. Oh, you want to go there? Okay, fine. You're going here. KD's a different story, and I understand and I respect it. In hindsight now, looking at everything, I'm I'm satisfied with, with, with the trade. Would I have liked another little special player, maybe like a young rookie guy or something like that had some nice upside? That would have been nice. But overall, like, I'm happy with where we find ourselves with the results from the KD trade. I think, I, I don't think McCall is going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be a star, like a very high level player that can do multiple things, uh, which is, I think, where his value is at more. I, I actually like that he is such an all around player more than he is just one thing, whether, whether it's defense or offense. Right. Not, like, I like that he's an all around player. Uh, that's been one of my biggest pet peeves with the Nets is that you just had too many one-dimensional guys that couldn't do anything. So if we're moving in, and I'm going to be your your host now, I'm going to move into the vision because I know this was a long conversation and I talk a lot, so I'm sorry. But where it sets us up for the vision, um, it is a great thing. And I'll say this, and I'm going to actually go back to let AJ talk, and I'll and I'll say later, but. We're back where we were before we got Katie and Kyrie. I'm going to keep saying it. We're back there with a lot of assets, with a lot of young, exciting guys. This season is going to be nothing about who's going to be sticking around after this season, right? Like who's going to be included in a trade for the big guy that we're going to go after? Who am I going to bring back on a very nice team-friendly deal that wants to stay here? Um, and who is who is trade bait? It, it just, it's just as simple as that. Like they have a bright future, Let's just hope they learn from their mistakes. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with saying, I mean, um, make this short and quick. I mean, the return for Katie, I thought at the time it wasn't that good. But then now in hindsight, looking back on it, I'm like, I accept it. And I'm, I'm OK with Mikhail and CJ. I actually kind of fell in love with those guys playing. And those guys are really, really good for us. Um, they're really good guys. You know, it's, it's nice to have a Nets team that's just like, 
all about basketball. You know, we kind of fell out of that spotlight where we were always the number one topic and we're always the you know, trauma team and we've got so much going on to the they're just a bunch of young guys they're getting gritty we're going to play basketball and that's it you know we became back to that kind of nets team and the, as going forward like saint was hitting on it's really i mean we it's all it's on ben simmons you know what is what are we going to do with ben simmons is he going to break out this year is he going to be philly ben you know i think every nba fan thinks ben simmons is probably washed and he's done and he's going to do what he has done every year so it's like now that he's fully we're hearing that he's great health and he's in a space that where he's explosive like he was in philly um we're hearing talks of that so it's like is it gonna happen it's like a wait and see game with ben simmons as far as mikhail i think the future is bright for him can he keep up that 27 points per game that he was doing at the um when he just got traded he was averaging around 27 points per game on like 50 40 90 it was insane can you yeah. do that for a full year and be an all-star? We, we're yet to see that, so we got to find out if he can do that. With CJ, can he up his game being the number two option? Uh, can he up his, what was he getting, 14 points per game? Can he get it to like 18 points per game and be Mikhail's right hand? And then we, and then that's kind of like our buildup. We have a whole bunch of young guys. We're kind of back where we were in 2015, 2016, like with that d kind of situation where we're just not expected to win. We're going to be either a playing team or bottom of this East team. But if all things go right, Claxton's growth, Ben Simmons, Mikhail, CJ, and then our young guys are hitting. It could be a possible Cinderella story, but not to the we're not going to win no championship. But I'm just saying, like, maybe a first or second round at the most. <laughs> maybe first. Actually, first, I'll, I'll take a first round any day. So. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's either a, a wild card exit or a first round exit. Yeah, yeah. Either it, a wild card and or that's a first it. Round. That's if the team stays the same. You have nine returning right. players and nine new players coming in with a mix of like rookies and young guys. Um, bro, it's anybody's guess. The oldest person was born in 1993. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> really? <laughs> the wow. oldest, Dorian Finney-Smith. And Royce O'Neal are both 30 years old. Yeah. Oh, I'm old. sorry. And Spencer didn't. Those are our oldest guys yeah. on our team. Yeah. We're a young oldest, team. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. When you have nine new, I mean, and that's the other aspect too, is that, yeah, you have like a starting core returning, which is, which makes me feel good for the future as far as this season goes. Um, at least we'll have some continuity there. Obviously, the, some of the games will change, but there's a lot to be excited about for this team in the future it just hopefully that and this is where my biggest issue is is you're basically another good analogy here would be when the thief steals some something from you and then tries to help you look for it that's mm -hmm. kind of how i look like sean marks right now yeah. like your hands are all over the nets for some positive and a lot of negative like and here you're being giving a redo you are literally being handed a redo right to make something happen please for the love of god and the basketball gods learn something do something different i think there is a a textbook way to build a competent team that you want to contend for a championship i do believe there is a right way to to build a team and i think that i i i could go into that but maybe someday I think that's like one of those topics that I would love to talk with you about is that it's like there is a proper way to build a team just because the NBA landscape does change 
and it becomes more offensive eccentric opposed to defensive or this or you know positionless basketball like at the end of the day the fundamentals always win if you look at like the last like go and look at all the last five championship teams and i guarantee you there's there's basic fundamentals that have been addressed and that have been built at some point that allows them to sustain and get there the, I want to build net, to the draft, bro. Like, the, like the Warriors yeah. and the Celtics. I want to build to yeah. the draft. Like, the we went from the situation where I, it's funny because they're the super team era, right? We were the super team in the NBA, right? And then all these teams were building through draft. Look at the Nuggets; they drafted their stars. Warriors drafted, Celtics drafted. So I wanted to go that route, but Sean Marks gave up our future picks, so we couldn't really. We don't have any picks. So we get, like, yeah, we don't have good picks. We get yeah, we get so, mid to low picks, and we have to hope for for a, a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I want to go to the draft, but I think Sean Marks and Josiah were now they're done with it, but they were on that star. Let's just build the star teams and get star, right. star, star, and let's go that route and race our way to the championship. And I don't know if that's the right way to do it. But yeah. I'll say for me, and first off, I gotta say this has been a great conversation. We literally did a Brooklyn Nets thirty for thirty, so I can't wait to chop this up. <laughs> nah, place. it's 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 gotta be like Brooklyn it's hour. For, it's, like, hour? it's got no we're it's at, like two hours, no. dude. Right? We're at two hours. We're at, oh my God. So so listen, right now for the listeners, if you made it this far, you're crazy. We're at an <laughs> hour and thirty three minutes. A hour and thirty three minutes. Okay, yeah. a lot I'm of clips. Sorry, <laughs> It's fine. I like hoops, and ironically enough, I have yet another podcast after this, so we got a lot going on. But I got to say this, man, right? From my perspective, the Brooklyn Nets' main vision for this season and moving forward is to survive the impacts of the Houston trade, to, to like, get your assets back in the future, see what the team looks like, see what young pieces pan out, see which pieces can really develop in the Brooklyn way, maybe be there long-term or be traded for more valuable assets down the line. I think that is right now currently their path. I think Ben Simmons, I'll be honest with you, before the trade, I thought he was kind of a lost cause. After the trade, I talked to Saint in many spaces and I was saying they might have to stretch his contract because I don't think he's going to be that valuable of a player. But if he's healthy coming in, I'm not going to hype him up. I think he can be a serviceable player if he's playing with confidence. And more importantly, his contract is all like almost already dying out. So him playing can raise his value to where you can flip his contract, get some more assets back and build that way. I'm with saying this is going to be like a fire sale season, but it's hard because the Nets are one of the only teams that you're going to generally try to compete and win, but you're also going to try to get assets back at the same time. And that's a very tough line to to be there on. But as you said, they're kind of back to square one in trying to figure out where things are. And honestly, if you're evaluating the team in their pieces structurally, their defense should be very fun to watch. I think for Mikael Bridges, him taking that leap last year in terms of his self-creation, the, the passing and understanding how to play off ball and, and fit in with all these pieces. He fit in well with that. Cam Johnson, I want to see more self-creation from him as well in that role. I just think the downfall of this team is not the defense, it's the offense. I think the offense was kind of shitty. I think Dinwiddie made a lot of decisions with the basketball that really just boggled my brain in the playoffs <laughs> specifically. And I think that... This is a team that, while it's built fundamentally on defense, 
can they sustain offensively? Can Ben Simmons get back to being a serviceable point guard that can actually create offense, which I've never felt that he's ever been. It's mainly been this guy that just has the ball. He's he's tall. He can see over, over defense. He can pass, but he has to be aggressive. If you get an aggressive Ben Simmons, this is going to be a much more competitive team. But Claxton is the guy that I'm looking at, a guy that I feel like was an all-defensive caliber player last year, played like 76 games, didn't get any no. nod. Should have been an all-team yeah. one of those, yes. I think he should have made He played really underrated defense for your team. So I think right now that is the current vision. In terms of where I would have this team finishing, I don't know. And I have to say that because I think the Nets, the Magic, the Hawks, like there are some teams I'm looking at where it's like, okay, your peak, oh my bad, the Bulls, like your peak could be like a top six, top, you know, team, or you're not in the plane. It's one of those two. I'm not sure which one. I think Brooklyn leans more towards you're in the plane yeah, conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, we came yeah. down to like, as right now constructed, if everything breaks right, Right. Some people, some people go a little higher and say five. I think that's pushing it. No. I, I feel like that. a six to an eight, if everything breaks right and everybody stays healthy. And I think Ben Simmons is that biggest. Like to me, Ben Simmons is that X factor. Yeah. If things stay as is and they don't like do the fire sale and they wait till the off season, right? If you get a general consistent team, and and, and this was my question to you because I've been asking it. At yeah. what percentage? Does Ben Simmons have to come back? Because I, I, I mean, it, to say he's going to return to his All-Star form, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that Ben's coming back. But I think a very close Ben has the potential. So my thing is more like, what are we like? Is an eighty percent Ben just is is good? Like, I can think... you can you be a seventy-five percent? Because I don't know that he'll ever return to that Ben. Yeah. I think he'll be much better than we've seen him in the last last season for sure. But right. at what percentage could you get away with like Ben being that highly effective, justify the money, justify the play? So I don't think we're ever going to see a version that justifies the money he's making. I'm going to just be flat out honest. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But I think the version you're looking for is a Ben Simmons that is not fouling out of games, is a Ben Simmons that is able to play heavy minutes, is a Ben Simmons that is confident in at least trying to get to the basket and does not look like he's afraid to make basketball decisions when he's on the court. That is the Ben Simmons you want to get back. And if you get that Ben Simmons, at this point, Brooklyn shouldn't care too much about the contract outside of potentially flipping it. This is Ben Simmons' year to where no one's going to talk about the Nets, respectfully, of course. No one is putting the <laughs> pressure on the Nets to be That's like us. this, like, top five seed, right? You guys can just go out there and play basketball, like AJ said. So the pressure should be off of Ben Simmons, and now he can just think about basketball. And I think mentally, that can put him in the right headspace to be a more productive version of himself, even if, as you said, Saint, he's not the all-star version that he was. Yeah. I, I think he... Amongst his team and his peers, I think the pressure is no longer there that it once was. Right. I think they've communicated. You can see he's in a healthier situation. The fans fans are always, no matter what, if, if he comes out and falls on his face, there is going to be a line of people that said, I told you so. Right? Like, we, we, we all know that's coming. So. Yeah. 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 For I mean, listen. Do I want Ben Simmons on my team? No. 
but I'm a Nets fan and I want my team to do good. So I'm going to hope the best for him. But if he leaves, I'm not going to cry. Like I just, it is what it is at the end of the day. Like we, we move on. I'm a Nets fan. I'm not a player stand. I, I don't understand the stand culture. <laughs> that's the worst thing that's ever been created. Like that's the one thing that the internet ruined for me a little bit was basketball <laughs> and the stand. Like the fact that you gave stands a voice, like just, you never had to hear from them before. Oh no, the fact that people can literally like watch a game for the sole purpose of pushing a narrative that see my guys better because your guys suck in this game. Like, like, wait a minute. You watched this game just to hate? I respect it, but damn. Like, where's the hoops at? You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I got to say, man, this has been an hour and 41 minute long podcast. I appreciate you guys being so down and so willing to talk Nets basketball with me. AJ, I haven't had many conversations with you. I have had many convos with Saint. Hopefully we can change that during the season. I will be more active on spaces. For me as a creator, I took the summer off of Twitter for the most part to focus on my approach to content on the YouTube side, scheduling my game plan for this season i really want to like grow and i think a huge part of that is just getting consistency so for me like i started this podcast during the playoffs right after that ended i'm like okay no basketball how do i stay consistent how do i challenge myself and i said you know what let's just do a podcast on all 30 teams every single team going through their off season how they got to where they are now their current vision and predicting what's going to happen in the future for their team and i'm very happy that i was able to get you guys on because again saint has literally talked at ad nauseum about the team i've had many conversations with him and other nets fans who you know some new ball some were just angry and that's fine i understand it'd be like that but i think this conversation was a real dope one to have I want you guys to promote yourselves to the fullest degree. I'm, I'm really pushing our creators and all those guys that take the time to sit here with me and talk. So, so AJ, please let the people know where you can be found. All your links will be in the description for sure. Yeah, again, I appreciate uh, Gifted for bringing us on here. This is like a really perfect hour, 30 minutes. 30, this is a 30 for 30 for the Nets. Well, we, really broke yeah. Down, yeah. we broke down the history of the Nets in an hour and 30. So. Again, appreciate you, man, so much. Uh, you can find us on Nets Kingdom One on Instagram. Also on Twitter, you can follow us at Nets Kingdom. Uh, I'm Nets Kingdom AJ on Twitter, Saint Saint Net One on Twitter, and then we're also on all social platforms. We're on SoundCloud. You type in Nets Kingdom on SoundCloud. We're on there. We're on TikTok. You type us in on TikTok. We're on TikTok, and then also um, Nets Kingdom Radio on SoundCloud. By the way, if you type in on Nets King- on SoundCloud. Uh, where else are we? Oh, netskingdom.net. Um, we're on the internet. We drop articles. We have two. We have writers that drop really good articles. If you want to know certain topics about the nets, what's going on, uh, we're gonna have articles dropping on that netskingdom.net page. Um, you just type that in, and you'll find us. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, AJ pretty much said it all there. Um, apologize. I do talk a lot, so. I apologize. This is we're conditioned for this. This is like we get on our stream and we're like hour and a half. Like boom, if you're gonna break yeah. this up, he's gonna like, break this up and just chop it up and then you yeah. put it in good videos for uh, YouTube. I I have another email. It's uh, netskingdom at gmail.com. If you ever have anything you want to say, talk about anything, whatever it is, netskingdom gmail. Uh, AJ said it. Saint Net One on Twitter. Um, yeah, we're, we're gonna figure out a time. 
um, gifted, and maybe we should do it because I know you're locked in. But give us one game against the Warriors. I'm down. I'm down. Where you down. Come, where yeah, you come up, on the stream and like, and, and like, listen, I, you're more professional than we are, but it's no hold bars. So get I'm ready. The, the chat, like, it, it's like, yeah, I'm it's like it. a space. Is like, all right? Yeah, you'd most definitely have to come on. I always listen. I told AJ this, and I always keep saying it. You're a smart dude. I love the work that you put in. You Thanks. can tell that you actually like take the time to learn, no matter what you're doing, and that's from basketball knowledge to putting together this stream. So I'm here to support you. You're always welcome on Nets Kingdom. I'll always love to talk to you. I'm sure we'll see each other in spaces. Um, so appreciate you, Gifted, for bringing us on. Absolutely. I appreciate those words for sure. And again, I'm getting used to this podcast format. Again, I'm only 34 episodes in, but this has been episode 34 of the Get The Who's Podcast. If you want to tap into the video version of this nearly two-hour-long podcast, tap <laughs> in to the YouTube side of things at Gifted Hoops. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you consume your podcasting content. So make sure to tap in for that. And also forget to five star it on, on audio platforms that helps it grow. So far, we got three five stars. I like it because we had zero yesterday. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We are getting growth. Thanks so much for the people. But I'll catch you guys. We have a couple teams left like Spurs, Charlotte. We got some teams coming up and the season is about to be here. New Media Day is also here uh, as well. Blockbuster trades are coming as well. So those episodes will be coming in the future. But appreciate all your support. And again, if you made it this far in the video, you were bored. And I appreciate that. I do. I do. And and feel free to like leave nasty comments about me. Um, They (laughs) they actually give me energy. Like say whatever you want. That old white dude. Why is he talking so much? Shut up. Let the dudes. Yeah. Like I'm sure. Like and on, on the flip side of that too. It's like, bro. The, the just being able to step back from Twitter and all that content to do to see what you did this season off season I, I did that I didn't put in the work like you did um, I've been a laying around I well because I, I'm off work I hurt my back and I'm off work so like I've just been chilling I don't get to do much so but I, I appreciate what I'm seeing thank you so much love to be back on AJ it's always a pleasure alright man thank you Absolutely. Well, peace out, people. I'll catch you guys in the next Hoops Podcast episode. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. We'll catch you. Peace.